This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Goslin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. We're not standing in the Hall of Fame, but we're pretty close. We're in San Francisco, not only waiting on Super Bowl 50, but participating in the voting for the Hall of Fame's class of 2016. We've been over this class in the weeks leading up to now, but what we haven't really done is tell you exactly how the decisions we make and made are done, and then really who makes these decisions, which is what we're going to do today. But before that happens, uh, we're going to get to Hall of Fame General Manager Bill Polian. Yeah, he's back for another round with us after last week. Only this time, he's going to be telling us who he likes in Super Bowl 50. Now, keep in mind, Bill was the general manager of the Panthers and the guy who drafted Peyton Manning. So he's, you know, a little bit on the fence here. But he'll also tell us why he liked Peyton Manning so much in 1998 that he made him and not Ryan Leaf, who uh, goose plenty of GMs vapored, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Half the league, made, in fact. Yeah, exactly. Well, why he made Peyton League Manning of the, Fools. <laughs> the first pick of the day. Hey, Ron, welcome back, by the way. Uh, you were in Hawaii. You. Tough, tough duty last week. Uh, yeah, I had to take that grass skirt off before I got in a plane. You know, that was kind of uh, fit in here, but not there. You did make it to the Pro Bowl, did you? Did not. Did Smart not. Man. Did see the stadium from Pearl Harbor, though, one day. That was Smart it. man. Pearl Harbor, I used to live near there anyway. That was a long time ago. Anyway, uh, getting back to this class, we're going to revisit the slam dunk from this year's Hall of Fame class, quarterback Brett Favre. We're going to sit down with Brett, as we did earlier this year, and revisit the best and worst of Super Bowls from the past 49 years. But first, let's get to what we're all about this week, guys, and that's the Hall of Fame. I've had a lot of people the past week asked me, you know, how's that process work? What do you guys do? Who's involved? How are the candidates presented? And it just got me to thinking, you know, there are a lot of people out there who just don't understand because it really is a clandestine process. We get into that room and nobody knows anything until we get out of that room about eight or nine hours later uh, and, and make the picks. But Rick, uh, somebody knows there. some guys don't know anything in that room. Well, that's true. <laughs> we don't like we don't like to let on that that's the case. We want to make it a secret and keep that a secret, Ron. But anyway, Goose, um, you've been there longer than I think Ron and I combined. So why don't you tell everyone who's involved in this process, who makes the presentations, essentially what's going on behind those closed doors? Okay, there are 46 members of the selection committee, one representing the city of each of the 32 NFL teams, plus 16 at-large voters. I'm the Dallas rep. Ron represents Boston and Clark's one of the at-large voters. There are 15 modern-era candidates, and they're presented by the representative of the city. That candidate spent the bulk of his career. So in Brett Favre's case, the induction is handled by, or the presentation is handled by Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. In John Lynch's case, it's handled by Ira Kaufman of the Tampa Tribune. Each presenter gets five minutes to make the pitch. Then we open the floor to discussion. Sometimes it lasts five minutes. Other times I've been in the room for hour-long debates. You know, but, but first off, we discuss the two senior contributor, senior and one contributor candidate, voting them as standalone candidates, not in competition with the other 15. Yes or no, either they belong or they don't. Then we proceed to the modern era candidates. This takes several hours. After we discuss each of the 15 finalists, we vote the list down to 10. 
and there's another shorter round of discussion. Essentially, does anyone have anything else to say about the 10 files? Then we vote the list out of five, and those five are subject to the yes-no vote, and 10 no votes will kill a candidate. Sounds like a long day, which it was the last year, Ron. You remember that was, what, eight, sure. nine hours, nine hours, something like that? But one yeah. thing that Goose mentioned there, the, the five-minute presentation, that's new. That's something new. And it was put in, I think, to prevent, A, us from going another nine or ten hours, but B, also making this sort of television ready. Um, we've had some some presentations go on and on oh, and Ron, on. Yeah, and on and on. And Ron, uh, sort of enlighten people as to why we think or why the Hall fellow is necessary to limit these. And, and also, as Goose mentioned, the order. I think that's pretty key because if you're at the end of the day, I mean, you're pretty worn out before you get up to, to make a presentation. Well, you're right. I mean, and that's one of the unfortunate things. You know, I, I think that, look, we all know that a lot of this now is being uh, driven by the television show in the evening. We've got to be done by such and such a time so uh, they can be uh, ready to go. And, and uh, you know, I agree with you guys that there were a few presentations that perhaps droned on. But I think in general, uh, they weren't that bad. The, the thing I've uh, come away with is you start to hurt the, the candidate you're presenting if you if you drone on and on with right, endless right. numbers and this and that. People fall asleep and they vote against him because they're voting against you. Uh, so you have to be <laughs> careful. You know, you got to be a little bit careful there. Um, I think uh, the other thing is the uh, there'll probably be one or two guys that will command most of the debate, which seems to happen almost every time. The rest of the guys is relatively uh, short. I think it's always hard, as you pointed out, Clark, if you're coming way late in the day. Right. Uh, people are tired. They've heard a lot of discussion, a lot of different guys. And now it's like, can we just get through this guy? That's why if they were smart, they put Favre last. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that um, because he's a, he's a slam dunk here. But before we get to that, I want to ask Goose quickly. Um, would you put a cap on the presentation in five minutes? I mean, what, so what if a guy goes seven, eight? What, so what? Yes, I would. Okay. I, I've always, when I've done my presentations for the last 20-some years, I've always tried to keep between three and four minutes. And I, I think what's more important is the debate than the, the, than the presentation. You, you make the important points you feel and then address any issues. I... I I thought five minutes should be max, and we've been we've sat in a room where you've had a double presentation where two people talk, and the presentation itself goes 18 minutes. And, and Ron's right, you start losing people presentation. Well, I want to get back to what Ron said earlier about Brett Favre, putting him at the end of the uh, discussion, because uh, we've had some candidates in the past, very few, who are really no-brainers. Uh, Joe Montana comes to mind, Jerry Rice, people like that. Um, but... Um, Ron, you, you, you mentioned put him at the back because really there's nothing necessary to say. And I remember a story about Ira Miller when he had to present Joe Montana. You can pick it up there. I mean, he said all that needs to be said. What did he say? Right. My recollection was he said, I present Joe Montana. He sat down. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. Really, That's right. Yeah. And, and, and your recommendation, Pete Doherty, would be? <laughs> right. Well, pretty much the same. The only danger of that, I think, is um, – you better be really sure, sure, there's nobody sitting there in the weeds, you know, with some issues, whatever they might be, that you don't get addressed. Or if the guy himself has some uh, oddity ab uh, about his career or something that... But Favre uh, doesn't. Really I mean, he really doesn't. But he really, no, he really doesn't. Although some people say, geez, you, if he's so great, he only won one championship. You know, well, let me, maybe, let me maybe you want to address that to some degree, at least how he performed in the playoffs, which is pretty well, good. Let me add this. The whole thing started with Cooper Rollo. He had Walter Payton. And he got up and said, I present you Walter Payton, and then sat down. And that was it. Okay. I know when I presented Emmett Smith, I said, uh, quote, Emmett Smith carried the ball more times, more yards, more touchdowns than any runner in history. Any questions? There were none, and he was the first Bell Hall of Famer. And Goose, what do you say when you present Ron Borges? 
Why am I here? Full of grace. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and why is he here? (laughs) That's right. That's right. You you mentioned we have discussions after each presentation, and you're right. After somebody makes a presentation, maximum of five minutes, you get a chance to ask questions, uh, either to pick the guy apart or to praise him. And I've had people ask me, "Does it ever get testy?" And Goose, as I mentioned, you've been doing this over 20 years, so does it? Testy would be an understatement. I've sat through Al Davis, Art Modell, Paul Tagaboo, and they're all an hour long and at times quite heated. Now, there's been some strong dissension and some of the senior candidates as well. You know, and during that wide receiver log jam, log jam four or five years ago, there were some voices raised. But, but in the end, most of these guys get in. Some just have to wait longer than others. Okay, well, let's go just to the process itself, guys. Some people don't like it. And I, I do, even though I think we all agree. It, it's flawed to some degree, but... Uh, you guys vote on the Baseball Hall of Fame, and people say, well, that's better. I don't think so. I like this because you, you get a chance to argue, as I've mentioned, the pros and cons of a candidate, not just submit a ballot. So I guess what I'm saying is you at least have a chance to be heard and to hear others. Goose, would like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I do like the fact we're all in the same room and there is debate. If someone is on the fence about a player, something um, may be said that can change your mind, either one way or the other. You know, I've seen it happen during the course of our discussions. Discussion is good. Debate is good. Argument is good for that matter. All of that helps to get the right people enshrined. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think the one of the flaws of the other ones, and I vote for baseball and, and boxing as well, is, as you point out, Clark, uh, if you have a position on a particular guy, uh, it never really faces the need to be defended or the ability to change it by listening to this. maybe some other guys have some thoughts that didn't cross your mind. I know there's a few guys who think there is no thought that's never crossed their mind, but... <laughs> Uh, the fact of the matter is that's untrue, <laughs> and I think that I've had my mind changed uh, more than once, and I think that having to defend uh, your position is, is a good thing because sometimes you see the weaknesses in your argument. Hey, guys, quickly now, if there's one thing you do to change the process, what would it be? I'd make the vote public. Who voted yes, who voted no? I'm all for transparency. I don't well, care that much about that. Uh, I'd like to see more new names cycle through the room. Goose has a good idea about all decade players at least getting one sort of pass into the room. Uh, and I think that is a good idea. If you're the best player of ten for 10 years, you deserve to be in there. Okay, we're going to stop there and go to commercial. When we return, we'll talk about the NFL Super Bowl 50 All-Star team and what we liked and didn't like about it. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, you've reached Burger King. To leave a message, press 1. Uh, Burger King, listen, I'm a bit of an idea guy. Uh, like croutons, I thought of that. I got a great idea to make your burgers better. Two words, buttery, sauce, because that makes everything taste better. You with me? Sounds good. It's almost as good as the new extra-long buttery cheeseburger from Burger King. Two beef patties topped with veggies and a rich buttery sauce on a toasted bun. Now just two for $5. Or mix and match with the Flame Grill Chicken Burger. Part of the two for $5 deal. The new extra-long buttery cheeseburger. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. The one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Little Caesars bacon-wrapped deep, deep dish pizza is back, and we have someone who'd like to tell you something. This is Chet Wallaby, Little Caesars corporate scapegoat. I stood between you and a delicious pizza topped with pepperoni and bacon and wrapped in over three and a half feet of bacon. I alone took it off the menu at every one of Little Caesars' thousands of locations. Sorry. 
Pick up a bacon-wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks before Chet goes and ruins everything again. Only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number 1-800-644-5944 call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin 1-800-644-5944 hi this is Lori grenier you've seen me on shark tank i've developed launched and marketed over 400 products applying for a traditional loan is frustrating there's paperwork references tax forms you wait weeks for an answer and you may not get the funds there's a new way to get funding without the hassle it's called cabbage that's cabbage with a k Here's how it works. Go to cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. <laughs> The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by a winner. That's MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Guys, as you probably know by now and everyone out there knows, it's the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl. And Ron, I guess that's why they call it Super Bowl 50, huh? There you go. Nothing gets by you. That's what yeah, I like. No, that's, uh, <laughs> that's why I had to go to Dartmouth. Okay, and to celebrate it, the NFL last week. Released a Super Bowl 50 team that includes the best players at each position and the best Super Bowl coach. Now, I know all three of us participate in that vote, so Rick, I'll start with you. Uh, tell the listeners how the team is judged. In, in other words, you know, what criteria voters were supposed to use when choosing that 50th anniversary Super Bowl team. Okay, the NFL asked the 46 members of the Hall of Fame Selection Committee to vote on a golden anniversary team based on, quote, best overall career performances. And let me underscore two words. Career and performances. Wow. Well, I can't emphasize enough that it was based on Super Bowl performances. Um, because if it was based on, well, career performances, you'd simply go to the Hall's, what, 75th anniversary class to use as your baseline? Uh, I'm just wondering. That was, was seventh, that was the 75th year, right? That's why they call it 75th anniversary. Yeah, nothing gets there by you, you either. It does. Yes, sir. <laughs> couple, and I think, I think that's what a lot of people did. <laughs> a couple of mathematicians here. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, Ron, um, since you figured that out, did you find this voting difficult? Uh, not for the most part, Clark. I mean, there were a couple spots tight end and running back to me were two difficult ones because I didn't feel it was a tight end who had some great, you know, three and four game string of performances. There were some good ones, but uh, and in running backs, uh, I just thought Tim Smith was so dominating in the one time he played. He, he was the only guy to rush for only 200 yards in uh, in a game in Super Bowl 22, and I, I felt that should be uh, given due deference. 
Uh, so I want Dan Ross, who had a tremendous uh, game in his only appearance in the Super Bowl, uh, 11 catches. Uh, he had 11 catches in one game. Novacek had 70 catches in three games. So there you go. Uh, you know, you could look further back and say, say, well, I want a blocking tight end or whatever. But, but I thought for the most part it was, wasn't that difficult to, to single out the, the top players, with a few exceptions. Yeah, Clark, I, I did my research and tried to look beyond the reputations at the performances themselves, which is why I came up with Ken Norton as an outside linebacker on ballot instead of Lawrence Taylor. Now, Ken Norton is not a Hall of Famer. Lawrence Taylor is. But Norton performed like a Hall of Famer in his three Super Bowls. Taylor did not. Norton is the only player in history to win three consecutive Super Bowls. He led his team in tackles in the first year. He was a team runner-up in the next two. He also broke up a pass and returned a fumble for a touchdown in his first Super Bowl. In two Super Bowls, Taylor didn't collect a sack, 71 pass attempts, and made a combined tackles. Norton had at least seven tackles in all three of the Super Bowls he played. I based my vote at all the positions on performance, not the reputation of a Hall of Fame player. I think Ron based his vote on the tight ends he saw on the beaches in Hawaii. <laughs> of which I saw many. Yeah, I bet. Uh, let's get down to the team itself. Particularly, Goose, she's mentioned the issues you might have had with it. I had all kinds of issues with it, not just an outside linebacker. I differed at nine positions. I left Hall of Famers Ronnie Lott, Mike Webster, Larry Allen, and Forrest Gregg off my team, and each case voted a non-Hall of Famer who performed better on the Super Bowl stage. I mean, Larry Allen played in one Super Bowl and had Steelers quarterback Neil O'Donnell decided not to play pitch and catch with Cowboys corner Larry Brown. The Cowboys would have lost that game. Dallas only rushed for 56 yards on 25 carries. It was the shakiest of their three Super Bowl victories of the 1990s. Allen is a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't. that wasn't one of his better days. Instead, I voted for Bob Kuchenberger guard. He played in three Super Bowls. The Dolphins ran for almost 200 yards in two of them. Larry Zonka was the MVP of one of them and said Kuchenberg was more deserving of the award. Wow. I think I should have consulted you before I cast my vote. Gooch! Yes, you why, should. Gooch! Gooch, uh, why, do you, why do you think that there is such a divergence of opinion on this team? I mean, like you said, you had nine different players. Why, why such a divergence? Do the guys just well, didn't do their homework? Yeah, I, I think the one reputation. I mean, Deion Sanders played in two Super Bowls for two different teams. He made four tackles, intercepted a pass, and broke up three others. I voted Herb Adderley over Dion. He played in four Super Bowls, won three of them, made 14 tackles, intercepted a pass, broke up six others. I voted Joe Jacoby a tackle over Forrest Gregg. Gregg played in two Super Bowls for the Packers, won of both. Jacoby played in four. Redskins won three of them. They rushed for more than 270 yards in two of those three victories. Again, I looked at the production of the player, not the reputation of the player, and I think too many people went on reputation. Ron, let's give Goose a chance to catch his breath here. He's really? pretty excited. Oh, He's pretty excited about this. I, hey, th what, this, this team ticked me off. <laughs> I can tell. This wasn't that bad, Goose. Go on. It was you terrible, and you know it. Join, <laughs> join Ron in Hawaii to chill out here, Ron. Hey, exactly you're, right. What's your take on the Take the road to Hana, will you, pal? Already been there, Ron. Super Bowl team. What's your well, take? I, I agree with him about some of the players, LT being one of them. Certainly, Deion Sanders, how he makes over her badly is, is absurd. It was also on my team. Same thing with Larry Allen. Played one game and didn't play great. Uh, to me, one of the guys who stuck out was, how uh, uh, does Chuck Harley not make it? He was the MVP of Super Bowl V in a loss with two interceptions and a fumble recovery. The next year, he goes back and Dallas wins. He had another interception and a fumble recovery uh, and was in consideration for MVP that eventually went to Staubach uh, in that game. Who played better than he did in, in the Super Bowls? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, but he didn't make it. Uh, Ron, my question is, how did Chuck Holley make your team over Ted Hendricks? Well, you know, I, 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 well, you know, I gave Hendricks a lot of consideration. He played great. Uh, uh, you know, I also Zing. think that one. Of, I, th I also think that one of the other things that uh, uh, that Goose minimized was 
the guy who only got there once was isn't necessarily his fault, but had a tremendous performance. I don't know that the guy should be marked down because you know he happened to not play on the Packers or he didn't happen to play on the uh, you know a Dallas team that went a bunch of times. But but when he got there, played tremendously, like uh, uh, like Doug Dan Williams. Boss or, Doug, or Williams. Doug, Doug Williams would would be one. I mean, Tim if you Smith, Larry Brown, yep. yeah, yeah. Tim, I mean, to me, to me, Tim Smith, uh, uh, Max McGee belonged in there. Yeah, I mean, there's other guys you can you can look at and say that uh, about. I think, and, and I I think in some cases there's sort of said, well, the Giants made a delta to stick him in there, and then nobody looked, or not enough people perhaps looked at what he actually did in the game. And sometimes, as we all know, the great performances in in these kinds of situations are not by the greatest players. Hey, you know, Ron, Ronnie, I'm, Lott, I'm, Ronnie Lott made it. He, he played only two games at safety. He played the other two at corner. He was a better corner in circles than he was as a safety. And I don't think he belonged. I put James Washington, who should have been the MVP of that uh, that second Cowboys Super Bowl, intercepted a pass, returned uh, a fumble for a touchdown, played great. You right, have Larry well, Brown off guy. the list. Cowboys, Larry Brown. I can't put all the Cowboys <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Right. As much as Washington, you Washington's a good one. He's another example of the guy who had the you know the one great opportunity, and he seized the moment. Uh, and so when they say career, does that mean you got to be there more than once? Well, if your career right. was only one game, and then you rushed for 204 yards like Timmy Smith. To me, nobody else uh, did that. My problem uh, or my difficulty, even though I named him in that, in that case, was Marcus Allen. Who right. Tremendously yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you, Ron. I mean, I, I'm with Goose. I'm surprised there weren't 22 Raiders on your club, but uh, <laughs> you chose Timmy Smith and, and over Emmett. And I, I get that. That but was you hard. Chose him over, you chose him over Marcus Allen, which I don't get because he's a Raider. Why'd you do yeah. that? Well, you're right. It was. I just think that you know when you have a, uh, the, the greatest rushing performance uh, in the history of the game, uh, and you only got there once. It wasn't like he had three shots and the other two times he staggered around. Um, then I think that deserved, that earned the right to be acknowledged. And uh, that's the way I went. Okay. Apparently Goose, nobody else did. <laughs> uh, that's right. <laughs> Goose, we were on the beaches at uh, Waikiki or Kauai, wherever you were. Hey, uh, Goose, you know what I find interesting about this list? There was only one unanimous pick, and it wasn't Joe Montana or Jerry Rice. It was a place kicker, Adam Vinatieri. Uh, a, do you think that guarantees his place in the Hall of Fame? And B, if it does, who makes it first? Former Spartan, Morton Anderson, or, yep, Adam Vinatieri. <laughs> oh, no, Spartacus. Anderson, Anderson should go in first. He's got about a seven-year window to get in before Vinatieri is eligible. He's the all-time leading scorer. you got to put him in before you put him in Vinatieri. Okay, well, we're going to stop right there. Up next, return guest, guys, Hall of Famer Bill Polian. Yep, he's back to give us his insight into the 50th anniversary Super Bowl, or Super Bowl 50, Ron. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. <laughs> Hi, Tom Bodette, somewhat in knots over this trendy new hairstyle called a man bun. I mean, what's next, the he-hive? Well, Motel 6 recently got a new updo of sorts, too, with renovations nationwide. And even with our fresh modern look, you'll still find rooms at the lowest price of any national chain. So you can save up enough money to get yourself a haircut or maybe a hat. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book direct at motel6.com. Control, do you like mortgages? Negative, over. Do you like rockets? Affirmative, over. Do you like rocket mortgages? I'm listening, over. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans is the first on-demand mortgage machine that turns the entire mortgage process into a fast, powerful, completely online experience. Copy that, QL1. I'm going to go ahead and push this button in. Three, two, one. 
Rocket Mortgage at QuickenLoans.com. Push button, get mortgage. Rocket. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS consumer access. Order number 3030. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Football fans, get your Luxon and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first-string shows like Fantasy, the Strip's sexiest adult review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat panel TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Well, we had Hall of Fame general manager Bill Polian on last week, and he was so good, we've invited him back for a second straight turn. A first for us and a for our guests. And you know what? Bill said yes. That's also a first for us. Bill, welcome back. And let me start by asking you, as former general manager of the Panthers and former general manager of the Colts, in fact, the guy who drafted Peyton Manning, where's your allegiance for this weekend's game? Well, um, you know, in the NFL, you root for your friends, and and I have friends on both teams, so I can't lose either way. <laughs> but um, the guy I'm probably closest to is number 18 for the Broncos, and since uh, he's, it, this may not be his last year, but it might be his last chance at a Super Bowl. Uh, that's where my heart is. Hey, Bill, back in 1998 when I was working the NFL draft, talking to all the teams, I found the Manning and Leaf debate at the top of the board to be a toss-up. Half the teams like Manning and just as many like Leaf. But only one team had to decide between the two, and that was your Colts. What tipped the scales in Manning's favor? Um, the same things that made him great, selflessness, incredible uh, preparation, incredible dedication to his craft, uh, high character, intelligence, and uh, leadership. Bill, there was uh, some talk, I remember back then, that you guys didn't really know whom you would take up to the very end. And I know I've spoken to you since then, and you've told me that's not exactly true. Could you tell our listeners uh, what was going into that thought process? Yeah, we, we kept it very quiet because Mr. Ursay wanted to be uh, party uh, to the, uh, the choice uh, in, in New York, and, and that's entirely uh, correct. And so we, we didn't reveal ourselves, even to Peyton, until... Uh, very uh, midweek prior to the draft, and he was really anxious and, and kind of upset with me because I wasn't I wouldn't tell him right off the bat. Um, but uh, April one, we knew who we were taking. Uh, after we worked them both out, after we'd uh, met with both of them um, and, and assessed all the information we had, it wasn't even close. Uh, he, he was it was taken by a mile, but we weren't gonna we weren't gonna let that out. Bill, when you turned in the card that April with Manning's name on it, could you have, have envisioned the career he's had, a career that would put his name in a conversation with the Grams, Unitas's, and Montana's among the greatest of all time? I mean, what do you expect when you take a quarterback with the first overall pick of a draft? Goose, I, I wish I could, I could answer that question, yes, but i got to be truthful. <laughs> uh, the answer is no. 
we, we hoped we were getting a quarterback who could lead us for 10 years or so and, and maybe lead us to the promised land. Uh, I've told this story before. Uh, when we made that decision early in April, Mercy called me in. He said, have you made up your mind? And I said, yeah, it's Peyton. And he said, okay, uh, tell me what the upside and what the downside is. Well, I said, well, the upside is obvious. If, if we're right, um, he's got, we, we got a chance to go where we want to go. And I said, if, if we're wrong, the downside is the worst we have is Bernie Kosar. So he laughed and said, well, that's not too bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> that shows you what kind of a scout I am. <laughs> with, with no, not denigrating Bernie, what I owe him. He was a darn good quarterback. But yeah, he uh, was. Certainly, Peyton's gone a long way uh, from that. Bill, you had another controversial call in the 1999 draft. You had the fourth overall pick and the choice of two elite running backs, the Heisman Trophy winning Ricky Williams and Edger and James. The world expected you to draft Williams. You took James. Why? Um, Better acceleration in the hole, um, better hands, uh, better fit for our offense, and uh, much more stable at the time. Yeah, I, I had heard that uh, you needed, with Peyton as your quarterback, you needed to receive a running back who could catch the football, and that was the edge. Yeah, well, all of those those four reasons uh, put him, uh, you know, there, there was a pretty big difference between he and Ricky in our minds. Sure. Uh, not that Ricky wasn't a bad player, but just that edge was, was the right fit, and, and that's obviously what it turned out to be, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. We're with Hall of Fame general manager it Bill Pullman. It was not popular the... at all. It was not a popular choice. That's I sure. remember. <laughs> Bill Pullman's a but, popular but it was choice. A right the... choice again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a popular choice on our network, Bill. And I want to ask you about the other team or another team you worked for, and that's the Carolina Panthers. Simple question here: Had you had the first pick of the 2011 draft, let's just say you were the GM of the Panthers, then would you have had reservations about Cam Newton? Yes, I would have, and uh, and I think it's uh, there's great credit. To Marty Herney and his staff, and uh, and to Mike Shula, uh, and and the Panthers' offensive staff, and to Ron Rivera for the job that they've done with Cam, because uh, I was one uh, who who you know got a lot of brickbats here in Charlotte because during his first and second years, I, I made it clear that I didn't think he was a star, that I didn't yeah. think he was the kind of quarterback that you, you know that could take you to where you wanted to go. Uh, and, I, and I think I was right about that. But Mike uh, uh, crafted an offense that suits his talents. He's worked at it, obviously. He's, he's worked to develop his pocket presence. He's worked to develop uh, accuracy. He's, he's developed touch. And, and this season, he's become a completely different quarterback in the pocket than he ever was before. Uh, and he's complete. Uh, and in addition to that, he's unstoppable outside the pocket, and, and he's really – all of us are old enough to remember the single wing. We probably have probably .001% of our, our, our listeners are, but he, he's, the, he's the 2016 version of a single wing tailback. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's funny what one season will do for you. I hear people today telling me – they say, we haven't seen anything like him. We've never seen anything like him, but uh, frankly, you and I and Goose – Ron, we, we all saw Donovan McNabb when he first came out. He was a runner who became a pretty good quarterback. Steve Young was more runner. I covered him than a passer before he became a Hall of Famer. I go back to Randall Cunningham, slingshot arm, runner. Um, and you mentioned now that Cam is a complete quarterback. He sure seems that way. Have we seen anything like this before? No, I don't think we've seen anything like it. The people that you mentioned are all there. I've compared him to Steve coming out. 
Um, but uh, the thing that sets him apart is that he's six feet five, and depending on what he's had for breakfast, you know, two fifty-five or two sixty. <laughs> so he can hurt defensive backs. I mean, he, he's he's a danger to defensive backs in the open field um, because he's so long and he has such uh, great leaping ability. He's a uh, he's a, a an incredible threat in goal line and short yardage. Um, so. You know, we haven't seen a guy with his gifts uh, who has that body type. Uh, and, and thus far, you know, and he takes a lot of hits because he, he runs the ball aggressively. He's been indestructible. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a unique cat. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody quite like him during my time in the game. Well, it's interesting. Both teams in the Super Bowl have quarterbacks with the first overall picks of drafts. And both teams have great defenses, pass rushing defense and playmaking defenses. Pretty common script. Why don't more teams do that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was that Jim used to say? <laughs> Paragraph full stop. <laughs> A period full stop. That, that, that's that's the end of it. I mean, that's that's the, now it's a lot easier said than done, uh, but that's the way to build it. And uh, and the Pats were were that way too. And. And, and the Steelers uh, are, are well on their way to that. So, it, it, I mean, that's the way to win. Uh, it, 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 now, it, it's hard to find a quarterback, uh, but if you still, if you build a defense, uh, you're in the conversation. And when the right guy comes along, you're in position to succeed. Uh, in this case, the Broncos went out and built that defense while Peyton was still had gas in the tank, and, and they're benefiting from it too. Two, uh, two Super Bowls in, in four years, and that's a pretty good, that's a pretty darn good record. Yes, hey, is. Bill, last question. We've got about 45 seconds here. Bottom line, who do you like in this game? Um, well, for a number of different reasons, um, I think it's as close to a, a Super Bowl as I've ever seen. Uh, I think normally you would not say that it turns on the performance of the quarterbacks, but I think this one does, and I would give Carolina a slight edge because Denver hasn't seen them. And until you've seen Cam up close and personal, you don't know what he can do. So, I, you know, if I were going into it, as I said, my heart's with 18, but my head tells me that uh, that Carolina has a heck of a chance because Cam can do some amazing things and break down defenses in ways that no one else can. Bill, thanks again with the emphasis on again. You deserve to be in the broadcast Hall of Fame for doing this two straight weeks. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. That was Hall of Fame right, general manager thanks. Bill Polian. Up next, Rick will tell us why one of Bill's favorite guys, Tony Dungy, belongs in the hall. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6, right on travel, right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and 
Um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. Little Caesars bacon-wrapped deep, deep dish pizza is back, and we have someone who'd like to tell you something. This is Chet Wallaby, Little Caesars corporate scapegoat. I stood between you and a delicious pizza topped with pepperoni and bacon and wrapped in over three and a half feet of bacon. I alone took it off the menu at every one of Little Caesars' thousands of locations. Sorry. Pick up a bacon-wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks before Chet goes and ruins everything again. Only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes... You can download software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. And each week, we promote someone for the hall with our State Your Case segment. You can find it at our website. That's TalkTheFameNetwork.com. Or you can find it right here. And this week, Rick Goose Goslin states the case for former coach and friend of the show, Tony Dungy. All of us have known Tony for years. And I thought Bill Polian was right last week, Goose, when he said uh, Tony Dungy's gone from being one of the best coaches in the NFL to the, quote, conscious of the league, as Bill put it, inheriting that position from Wellington Mara. Also, the nicest guy who ever walked the sideline. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But nice that's guys true. don't necessarily make Hall of Fame guys. This guy was nice and really, really good. Yeah, Clark, few, few coaches have won in the NFL like Tony Dungy. He averaged 10.7 victories in his 13 seasons, an NFL record. He took teams to the playoffs 10 consecutive seasons, an NFL record. He posted six consecutive 12-win seasons, Another NFL record tied by Bill Belichick this season. He's the all-time winningest head coach for two franchises, the Colts and the Buccaneers. Dungey won 67% of his career games, eighth best of all the men who spent at least 10 seasons on an NFL sideline as a head coach. The seven coaches in front of him are all in the Hall of Fame, and most are iconic names. John Madden, Vince Lombardi, George Allen, Ray Flaherty, George Hallis, Don Chula, and Paul Brown. The coach immediately behind Dungey is Belichick, at 66.4%. Now, if you assume Dungy should be in the Hall of Fame for his coaching skills, you are correct in that assumption. He's one of the 18 finalists for the class of 2016, his third consecutive year as a finalist. Now, Dungy was eliminated in the first cut from 15 to 10 in 2014, then went down in the second cut from 10 to 5 in 2015. So that progression offers him hope in 2016. Super Bowl rings are important for coaches. They're important for all Super Bowl candidates, or all Hall of Fame candidates. Of the 295 men that have been enshrined in Canton, 68% won championships. Dungy won a Super Bowl as a player with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 1970s. He built a Super Bowl team in Tampa and then won a Super Bowl as head coach of the Colts. He also has historical perspective on his resume. He became the first African-American coach to win an NFL championship. And his coaching tree has produced three other African-American head coaches. Levy Smith, Mike Tomlin, and Jim Caldwell. Napoleon, who hired Dungy, Dungy's head coach, the Colts, said, quote, 
Tony Dungy has made the NFL game a better on virtually every front. Tampa was a better place because Tony Dungy passed through there. Indianapolis was a better place because Tony Dungy passed through there. Canton would be a better place, too. Well, I can't really uh, disagree with you very much, uh, but I do want to raise uh, an issue. Um, when you look at Tony Dungy, he, for a goodly portion of his career, he had one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, of his or their time, Peyton Manning. He only won the Super Bowl once. Jimmy Johnson won twice and isn't even a finalist. So Jimmy Johnson and his two Super Bowl wins, Ghost, or Tony Dungy with one? Well, Dungy is a coach based on sheer numbers. I mean, Jimmy has a numbers issue that is slowing his candidacy. There are only two head coaches in the Hall of Fame who won fewer than 100 games. Bill Walsh and Vince Lombardi, both in the mid-90s. Jimmy won only 80 games. Now, had he stayed in Dallas, worked it out with Jerry Jones, coached through the 95 season, winning another 24 games in a Super Bowl, I have no doubt he'd already be enshrined in Canton. But as it stands, Dungy is a stronger candidate because he has the longevity that Johnson lacks to go with the success. Well, Goose, I'm going to follow with a similar question. I'm going to go Ron Borges on you and ask. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's hard for me it's to a dangerous it. place to go for it a guy like you. It is a dangerous want. place, unless it's Kauai. Um, what makes Tony Dungy more attractive than, say, a Tom Flores, who also broke down barriers. He was a social pioneer, the first Latino coach to win a Super Bowl, but then came back, and he won another. He's got two Super Bowl wins as a head coach. He's got one as an assistant coach and one as a quarterback. Here's the list. I think I gave you guys just a second ago. All the, all the coaches that uh, Madden, Lombardi, Allen, Flaherty, Hallis, Shula, Brown, Dungy, Belichick. I don't see Tom Flores in there. I see Tom Flores at the jewelry store with two rings. Me too. <laughs> two big rings. Yeah, two big rings. Right. He didn't have Peyton Manning as his 10. quarterback. 10.7 victories a, a season in his career. Do you take teams to 10 consecutive playoffs? Do you have 12, six consecutive 12 in season? No. Those are all on Dungy's resume, not in Tom Florida's. Whoa, wait a second there, Goose. That's the signal. Time to move on. Goose, you got this week's questions. Ron and have this week's answers. And Scott Boddicker, yes, Scott, Whoa. who's subbing this week for producer Derek Burns, he has his Jay Cutler jersey packed away again for this week. Yeah, it's that time of year, Scott. So you've got the clock. If you're ready, let's get started. 84 players were selected to the Pro Bowl. 44 of them canceled out. What, would, what should we now call this not-so-Pro Bowl? D-O-A. <laughs> the no-go bowl. Ten quarterbacks can claim they have been pro bowlers in 2015. Did we miss anyone? Yeah, Geno Smith. Woody Johnson tells me he has, quote, the ability if he sticks with it. Fortunately, Peyton Manning, I hope. Twelve cornerbacks can claim they were pro bowlers in 2015. Did we miss anyone? Yeah, Lester Hayes. Six to receivers like glue. Hopefully all the ones who couldn't cover a midget named Julian Edelman, which is most of them. <laughs> oh, a quick whistle. All seven Patriots selected the Pro Bowl. Skip the game. Should Ted Wells investigate? Nope. They should make him play the game. <laughs> Deflated interest in free trips to Hawaii in New England. Who would you rather have as your general manager, Dave Gettleman or John Elway? If I'm a dentist, John Elway. John Elway, you can get me a better deal on a car if not a quarterback. Who would you rather have as your coach in the Super Bowl, Ron Rivera or Gary Kubiak? Kubiak. No need to worry about an emergency quarterback. Rivera. He comes with Cam Newton, not Fig Newton. 
Who would you rather have as your quarterback in the Super Bowl, Cam Newton or Peyton Manning? Manning, free pizza when we win. Cam Newton or Eli Manning or Archie Manning before Peyton Manning. Who will be the MVP of Super Bowl 50? Tom Brady. He let Roger Goodell off the hook by skipping it. I keep to leave, but don't ask me why. I just want to hear him say, I want to win. <laughs> I want to win. Jared Goff, Paxton Lynch, or Carson Wentz? Jared Goff. He's good for 18 holes. Oh, very good. Carson Wentz, <laughs> small school, big time. Mike Martz wondered how Terrell Owens jumped Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt in the Hall of Fame queue. Please explain to the former Rams coach how this happened. Hey, if Donald Trump could jump to the head of the GOP field, anything's possible. Easy. D.O. was better and more productive. Seven NFL teams hired head coaches this offseason. Which team landed the best coach? G-Men. I'd rather have a McAdoo than a McAdoo. Eagles and Doug Peterson, they got Andy Reid light, which is almost as good as having Andy Reid whole. <laughs> That's the end of our first hour. How about that clock? Dr. Hook, uh, Captain Hook, I don't care. <laughs> don't go anywhere, people. When we retire, we'll sit down with Brett Favre and sort of the best and worst of the previous 49 Super Bowls. This is the Talk of Fame Network. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. QL1, this is Control. Does Rocket Mortgage require me to come in and speak with someone? Negative Control. With Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, you can go through the entire mortgage process on your own and completely online. Copy that, QL1, but if I wanted to speak to someone, do you think they're out there? They're out there, all right. Their award-winning client service is beyond anything I've ever experienced. Three, two, one. Rocket Mortgage at QuickenLoans.com. Push button. Get mortgage. Rocket. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. Hi, you've reached Burger King. To leave a message, press 1. Hey, uh, Burger King? Listen, I'm a bit of an idea guy. Uh, like croutons, I thought of that. I got a great idea to make your burgers better. Two words, buttery, sauce. Because that makes everything taste better. You with me? Sounds good. It's almost as good as the new extra-long buttery cheeseburger from Burger King. Two beef patties topped with veggies and a rich buttery sauce on a toasted bun. Now just two for $5. Or mix and match with the Flame Grill Chicken Burger. Part of the two for $5 deal. The new extra-long buttery cheeseburger. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Well, as you should know by now, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. Your computer runs slowly. Log on to MyCleanPC.com for free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Welcome back to hour number two of the Talk of Fame Network. We're coming to you from San Francisco, home to this week's Hall of Fame voting and cousin 
the Super Bowl 50. I know they say it's a San Francisco Super Bowl. Ron wishes it were a Hawaii Super Bowl, but let's exactly. be honest, guys. The game itself is down the road to Santa Clara. Yeah, great America. About a 50-minute drive, so it's really a Bay Area Super Bowl. Quick question. Easy question. You like this choice of Super Bowl 50? Yeah, my best experience ever at a Super Bowl came in 85 at the other Bay Area Super Bowl, and then I just played the Dolphins of Stanford. You know, so even though this week's game is an hour down the road, you can't beat the week we spend as reporters at the Super Bowl headquarters in San Francisco. That's one of America's great cities, and I'd love to see San Francisco back in rotation, get the game every seven, eight years. Ron, how about you? I know you wish you were in Oakland, but it's close. Yeah, it's close. Wrong side of the bay, but what are you going to do? Uh, as you know, you guys know, I lived and worked there for 10 years. You know, to me, San Francisco is the Paris of America. Uh, in a way, if, for me, it's also like, you know, homecoming day because uh, my four two years in sports journalism really began in the Bay Area. My first Super Bowl was the Raiders winning Super Bowl eleven. Now here we are 39 years uh, later, and we're in the Bay Area. Uh, the wrong Bay Area, uh, you know, the, we'd like to see the Raiders in there. That, to me, would be the right team to be in there, but they're not. So it goes. Uh, but, look, anytime you're in San Francisco... It's a day at the beach, North well, Beach. Which Raiders are you talking about? San Antonio Raiders, San Diego Raiders, <laughs> Oakland Raiders? Vegas Raiders, baby. Vegas Raiders, there you go. Uh, anyway, there's been a lot of looking back this week at the 49 Super Bowls before this one. And as you mentioned there, Ron, we attended uh, most of them. Most <laughs> of them. did. So, yeah, that means we're getting old. Um, so I figured this would be as good a time as any to get our takes on the best and worst of this game. So, Scott, cue up the Wayback Machine because we're going in. First question. Best Super Bowl site or experience? Well, the best Super Bowl experience was my first Super Bowl ten. That would be a year before Ron, by the way. Uh, between the Cowboys and Steelers at the Orange Bowl, there were 13 future Hall of Famers game, and it remains one of the best Super Bowls I covered, a 21-17 victory by the Steelers. Now, this was before the media crush for this event. There was plenty of elbow room. I remember going to the team hotels and sitting around these round tables talking to Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert. There'd be eight chairs at each table, and they were never full. You could walk right up, sit in on a Staubach or Brad, Bradshaw interview. Now you can't get near the players, and you're lucky if you can get a question in. And they also shot the crowd scenes for the movie Black Sunday on game day. Ironically, it was a film about potential terrorist attack at the Super Bowl. That was almost 40 years ago, and that threat may never be as real as it is now. Wow, very good. Well, to me, the site's always uh, New Orleans' best place to eat in the United States, best place to go to a Super Bowl. You can walk everywhere. Music is great. And fitting in with that was Super Bowl 36, the Patriots upset of the Rams in 2001. Uh, you guys remember it was four months after 9-11. Uh, the Patriots refused to be introduced as an offense or defense. It came out as a team the first time that ever happened. Uh, and after it was over, uh, you know, Bob Graff very movingly said, we're all Patriots today, and I think everybody sort of felt that way. Uh, it really uplifted the, the country, I think, the way things went. And uh, it's a day I won't forget. Was he looking at you when he said, we're all patriots today? Well, he said with one exclusion. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, <laughs> that you, raider in the corner. That's right. You know me, guys, as Jerry, as Jerry Rice would say, you know me, guys. I'll always argue for San Diego. I don't care if they play it at USD or UCSD or wherever they play. Um, but there's no better place to spend the week. Um, anyway, let's move on. Second, most underrated Super Bowl site, Ron? Well, to me, it's Indianapolis. Everything was compact. Uh, people couldn't have been nicer. You could walk any place you needed to go. The restaurants everywhere. And the best part was, uh, on Saturday, you could go with your pals Clark and Rick to Hinkle Fieldhouse, watch Butler play a little basketball in the same place where they filmed Hoosiers, and then go over to Plump's last shot and have a couple of shots where, with Bobby Plump, who hit the, uh, the big uh, 14-foot jumper in 1954 to give Milan the state championship. 
and then jump on the zip line. That's right. Yeah, I you do nitwits on the zip line. Unless, that's right. Unless Upside you're Chris down, as I recall. Unless you're Chris <laughs> Carter. Remember, he went up and he came down. He said, "I'm not doing it." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it two steps further than Ron. I'll say the cold weather sites: Minneapolis, Detroit, Ugh. and Indianapolis. Ugh. All Detroit embrace guy. the cold instead of apologizing for it. The games were all played indoors in all three cities. Stayed a carnival type atmosphere outdoors leading up to the game. And I've long believed the cold weather cities belong in the Super Bowl mix. Football is America's game, not just a Southern game. Yeah, I'm going to embrace my lay if you guys yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Rod, strangely enough, I haven't said this much. I agree with you. I'm with you, Indy. Wow. Uh, hey, listen, uh, how about the worst Super Bowl cider experience? Goose? Never had bad experience, boys. And there were some difficult moments. The ice storms in Atlanta and Dallas, the riots in Miami, the transportation in Jacksonville, the cramped interview quarters at countless venues, but I'd still rather be there that week with any and all of these difficulties covering Super Bowl than any other place in America. People in this country care about football, so they read what I write. You know, I've never written a column ripping a host city like so many of my colleagues have, nor will I. Play the game in Newfoundland. I don't care. I'll go, and I'll find a way to enjoy myself. That message <laughs> was brought to you by the NFL. Wow. Unbelievable, Mr. Goodell. Uh well, for me, it was Super Bowl twenty three, uh, 1989 in Miami. The overtown riots went on for several days. I got the call uh, from my bosses saying, you used to be a, re- a real reporter. Get over there. There I was, you know, people, you know, guns are going off and things are in flames. And I'm looking for a guy named Rami Loud, once played for the Patriots. Now lived in poverty in overtown, lost all his, uh, all his money. He owned the Florida Blazers, the World League. Uh, he really was a trailblazer, but now he was down in his luck. And I found him, and, and it was a, a very sad Time and a sad story. Hey, Ron, they I, they sent me up there too to cover it. I couldn't yeah. get a cab, and I had to walk out. <laughs> yeah, but at least you're here. Hey, up next, greatest Kevlar. Super Bowl ever. We asked that question to our readers this week on our website, talkofamenetwork.com. Ron, I'm asking you right now, greatest Super Bowl ever. Uh, Super Bowl 42 in Glendale. Patriots uh, shattered every offensive record. They're 18 and 0. It was supposed to be a Homer. march to glory, Homer. and uh, then a guy catches a ball on his head. <laughs> and Eli Manning turns into Houdini, yeah, and, right. and and Bill Belichick makes the only defensive call he made that entire season when Dean Pease was defensive coordinator. He called the blitz that left Ellis Hobbs one-on-one with Plaxico Burris. Spartan. Bad plan, coach. Spartan. Spartan. You can't cover those Spartans one-on-one. I'm sorry. Uh, Clark, I'll say Super Bowl three. I grew up in Detroit, a diehard NFL fan, and here's Joe Namath talking smack that week, guaranteeing a victory over the uh, by the upstart AFL champions. Colts were 18-point favorites. Now, Namath's words drew you to the TV set, but the quality of the Jets team, both offensive and defensively, is what you kept there watching the upset. You know, Matt Snell told me years ago the Jets went into that game thinking they were the better team, and they were. We didn't know it, though, until that Sunday evening when Namath trotted out the field, wagging his finger, number one. That, that game set the stage for all Super Bowl rivalries and upsets since then. Ron, you don't hear me saying this either very often. I agree with Goose. It's wow. Super Bowl three. Yeah, for this, just, what, just what he said. Put the NFL Smart on equal footing with the NFL. It wasn't a great game. It had enormous consequences. Easy one. Hey, worst Super Bowl ever, Goose. Any plot. 94 Super Bowl in particular featured San Diego and the Niners, your Niners. The Niners beat the Chargers by 23 in December and then did it again two months later, 23 points. The game was anticlimactic. The true Super Bowl was that terrific NFC title game between Niners and Cowboys. I hate blowouts. I hate watching them. I hate writing about them. Well, on the East Coast deadlines, I love blowouts. 
Uh, but <laughs> I don't like too. to watch them. <laughs> and the worst <laughs> one to me was Super Bowl 48, that 43-8 Seattle shellacking of the uh, Broncos. Remember that game was 22 nothing at halftime. They kick off in the second half to Seattle. Boom! Touchdown, twenty-nine, nothing. Pack up your gear and go home. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's that it. was yeah. that was that was bad game. Well, um, I, I'm not going either direction. I'll take Super Bowl five. Just too many penalties. Oh, terrible close. game! Too, too, too many penalties and too many mistakes and uh, everything. Anyway, <laughs> the right team won. The Baltimore Colts. Hey, uh, guys, quickly now. <laughs> um, what was the best halftime show ever, Ron? Oh, uh, Janet Jackson's. Uh, performance, yeah, like I mean, a uniform malfunction. That was one of the greatest moments in Super Bowl history, I'd say. No, I you don't remember that. what she's saying. You just remember what I she's I don't remember like. anything about it other than that, but Good. that was a vivid Good. How memory. about you? Um, I, I'm generally writing at halftime, not watching, but I'm listening. I, I would say McCartney. That was a, that was a thrill okay. scene. I'm going, with Prin- I, I'm going with Prince. He did in the rain, too. You know what, guys? I bought a little red Corvette the next week, too. Uh, worst <laughs> halftime show. Goose, worst one? Uh, yeah, you're writing. Up, you're writing. You're not looking. Up, up with <laughs> up people. With people. <laughs> I'm with Goose on that one. Four times we had to see up with people between 1976 and 1986, after which I said, down with people. Down with people. <laughs> okay, last one for you guys. If you had one place to put Super Bowl 100, where would it be? New Orleans. It, they should play the game there every year. No one knows how to throw a party like New Orleans. Ron? Yeah, that's, tough to, that's tough to beat, but I'm old school. L.A. Coliseum, let's go back to your roots. Same town, same stadium, and tickets, six bucks a piece. How about that? Nice. No, I'll do one better. I played in Canton in Tom Benson Stadium, which, of course, is going to be named Ron Borges Stadium after Ron <laughs> repays the hall for getting him in on his 27th try. You know what? I charge Super Bowl one prices or max at $12. Anyway, speaking of Super Bowls, we're going to sit down with someone who knows a lot about them, Hall of Fame since Brett Favre. That's coming up after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now, there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Football fans, get your Lux on and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first-string shows like Fantasy, the Strip's sexiest adult review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat candle TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Little Caesars Bacon-Wrapped Deep Deep Dish Pizza is back, and we have someone who'd like to tell you something. This is Chet Wallaby, Little Caesars' corporate scapegoat. I stood between you and a delicious pizza topped with pepperoni and bacon and wrapped in over three and a half feet of bacon. I alone took it off the menu at every one of Little Caesars' thousands of locations. Sorry. Pick up a bacon-wrapped deep deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks before Chet goes and ruins everything again. Only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Super Chris. 
Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Well, the one slam dunk in the Hall of Fame's class of 2016 is and was Brett Favre. We caught up to the former quarterback over the past year and asked him about his career and the Hall, and we figured this would be a pretty good time to re-air what he said. So, ladies and gentlemen, what follows is Brett Favre. Brett, I want to take you back to 1991 when you were the 33rd pick of the draft. Ron Wolf has told us, and everyone else, of course, that he had you rated as the best player on the board and that he and the Jets, for whom he was working then, were poised to take you with their first pick, and that happened to be in the second round. But Atlanta, of course, chose you one pick ahead. The Jets wound up with Brownie Nagel. My question is, how do you think your career and your life would have, might have changed had the Falcons passed on you and Ron Wolf gotten his wish? You know... I, I really don't know. Um, I mean, it's, it's strange how things worked out and, and how I ended up in Green Bay to begin with, and as well as Ron Wolf. how, you know, we just, it, it, we ended up meeting. Um, he was, he, as he's told me numerous times, that came down to Fulton County Stadium the latter part of my first year in Atlanta when Green Bay played Atlanta. And if I remember correctly, Green Bay, had they won that game, they would have been in the playoffs which they, they did not. We actually beat them, and we went to the playoffs and, and had a spectacular spectacular year. Um, but he was actually, as he's told me again, was, was there on the field, which I didn't know. I don't think I, I – I think I knew who Ron Wolf was, but I would not have known him had he uh, walked by me. But he was actually there to watch me in pregame which is crazy. I was probably 255 pounds. Uh, I, I could throw it like – no one else, but I couldn't have been that appealing to the eye um, of close. <laughs> but nonetheless, that was that may have actually been his first week there. Uh, it, it had to be close. Now again, that was the latter part of the year. But you know, he his, his first few moves were Mike Holmgren and myself, and I and Ryan and I are really close today. Probably closer today than we ever have been, and we talk all the time. And he saw something. I, I, you know, I can't say that I didn't see something in myself. I really thought that I could play, but he saw something that others obviously did not. And uh, you know, I'm very thankful for that. How how things would have uh, played out had I gone to the Jets? I, I don't know. I think had Ron Wolf stayed there, it's best that I didn't because had I gone to the Jets, Ron was leaving. <laughs> you know, so it just it it was a perfect match, and and it it all fell into place, and it couldn't have falling into a better place at the right time. You know, and we, we say that from time to time, but this, it, it really is true. Green Bay, um, 
was was down and out for quite a while. And, you know, here I come. No one knows who I am. No one really – I think that there was probably more negative backlash, I guess. I, it's been so long. Like, who is this guy? Why would he make this move? I mean, is he crazy? Um, but the way it's turned out, is I don't think any of them, Ron and I included, could have imagined it turned out the way it would have. Yeah, Brett, the reason you slipped in a draft was obviously that near-fatal car accident in that summer resulted in you losing a big chunk of your small intestines. Yet you somehow played your senior year, including six weeks afterward, in a season-opening win over Alabama. How difficult was that to get on the field? And play well i tell you could i have done it at 35 i i, I doubt it seriously um now you know th- there's many times that i've doubted that i i could return to the field but yet i did but this this was different i think youth played a big part in it i was in probably the best shape in my life not to mention i was 18 19 years old on top of it but i was in the best shape of my life prior to this car wreck so that and youth I think played a big part in getting me back on the field because um, anyone who's ever had any type of stomach surgery um, knows that it's tough. I mean, it's really tough. And uh, I, I, the, the doctor who actually did the surgery, a guy named George McGee, actually took a picture, like a Polaroid picture, um, of what he did. Like he had my stomach, my my all of your intestines are in the back part of your. If you're laying down on your back, your intestines basically are at the bottom uh, near your back. He had to remove all the stuff above it, set it on my stomach, on the outer part of my stomach, to get to my intestines, and and showed me a picture of that. And he also showed the intestines that he removed, and it looked like it had been beaten with a bat. It was just black and blue, and it obviously had died, and he had to uh, uh, take that part out. But um, So it was... It was a very painful um, recovery, but I was determined to play. I had a redshirt year that I could have used and and, uh, and could have set out that year. And it, from a statistical standpoint, it probably would have been the best move. Maybe, you know, maybe another year would have, you know, propelled me to first a first first round pick. I don't know, but I know this that. If I had to do it over again, I would do it the same way. Um, because if you can play, and I and I tell guys this all the time, uh, especially high school and early college guys, if you can play, they'll find you. You know, they will find you. And, and you guys know as well as I do, they're found all the time. And they're found in places that you go, I, you know, I, I don't even know where that is. Uh, so it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. I was going to ask you how difficult it was to play for Jerry Glanville, but after listening to that thing, I see anything else was pretty easy. Uh, oh yeah, that, that was a that was a walk in the park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How tough was it uh, though for you, Brett, uh, to play for a guy who uh, claims to have been so opposed to your addition that he said he would take a plane crash for him to put you in a game? Uh, how do you sort of cope with that when you're a young player uh, trying to get your chance? Well, again, youth, I think was was on my side uh not that's not to say i didn't want to play that's not to say that i didn't think i could have played or 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 simply that i should have played the bottom line was chris miller had an outstanding year that year and if you go back and you look that was probably his best year in his career and not only that the team itself had a 
had a fantastic year. I mean, they were putting up astronomical numbers. So that in itself was going to keep me off the field. Um, you know, whether or not Jerry uh, was totally against drafting me and Ken Harrock was, was totally for drafting me, you know, I, I, I do think Ken was in, uh, was in my corner. Um, you do GMs and head coaches butt heads all the time, absolutely. Um, but I think the day I got there, uh, it was like he had this vendetta or something to get me against me. And I had never met Jerry prior to, to my first day of minicamp. But, um, you know, it, it, it sort of got off to the wrong, on the wrong foot initially. And, um, and I, I guess in my way, I kind of pouted, you know, that this guy doesn't like me. He's not giving me a chance. Although I knew that Chris was playing lights out and why would they change? But, um, you know, uh, I really, I like Jerry and, and I've actually seen and talked to Jerry uh, over the years, uh, after I had left and the relationship got much better over time. Um, but, uh, it, it really was, I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed that group of guys, and if you can remember, I mean, that's the year we had MC Hammer, we had Evander Holyfield, we had we had all the country singers on the sidelines, and I mean, it was just, it was like a big party. And that was the thing about Jerry, whether you liked him or not, is he had fun. I, I, now his practices were tough, believe it or not. There was always fights. You were always in path, and maybe it was just me, but I was a third quarterback, and I was live. That's unheard of in pro football today. And I think he was trying to get me killed and get me out of there, but he he, he obviously didn't know how tough I was. So, but it, you know what? It was a it was a it was a great memory, um, and I, and I know that without that year in Atlanta, I would have not gotten to Green Bay. So it worked out the way it was supposed to again. We'll be back with more Brett Favre after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, you've reached Burger King. To leave a message, press one. Uh, Burger King, listen, I'm a bit of an idea guy, uh, like croutons, I thought of that. I got a great idea to make your burgers better. Two words, buttery, sauce, because that makes everything taste better. You with me? Sounds good. It's almost as good as the new extra-long buttery cheeseburger from Burger King. Two beef patties topped with veggies and a rich buttery sauce on a toasted bun. Now just two for $5. Or mix and match with the Flame Grill Chicken Burger. Part of the two for $5 deal. The new extra-long buttery cheeseburger. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Hi, Tom Bodette, trying to understand this whole dating app thing. You're supposed to swipe right for the profiles you're into and left for the ones you're not. So if I'm attracted to a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain at Motel 6, I'd swipe right, right? Or was it left? Wait, I just sent myself a picture of myself. 6'3"? Yeah, right. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Football fans, get your Lux on and win at Luxor Las Vegas. Get in the game with first-string shows like Fantasy, the strip's sexiest adult review, Carrot Top, and Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil. Or tackle your hunger at restaurants like Public House, featuring comfort food, 20 brews on tap, and 30 flat panel TVs. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest resident DJs. When game time is done, our comfortable rooms and suites are the perfect end zone. Visit Luxor.com today. 
Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Well, as promised, we're back with more of Brett Favre for this year's Hall of Fame class of 2016. Well, it's a big party here on the Talk of Fame Network because we've got Brett Favre as our guest. And, Brett, um, I, I want to go to the trade now, the, the trade from Atlanta to Green Bay. I was told that when you reported to Green Bay and, and you took the physical, you were diagnosed as having a vascular necrosis of the hip, which, of course, is the same injury that ended Bo Jackson's career. And the doctors recommended, listen, to Ron Wolf, don't make the deal. This guy can't play. But Ron disagreed, and, of course, the rest is history. How is it that we never heard of that hip injury again, or how is it that you managed to play through it? Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I was di- diagnosed with a vascular necrosis, and, and when that diagnosis came out, I had no clue what that meant. I had no clue, you know, what long-term I was looking at. Now, that being said, I actually hurt my hip in the East-West Shrine game, and I, I had thrown a pass, and it fell down. And I was actually on all fours, and I was kind of looking at the guy catching it when the left tackle and the pass rusher fell directly on my back, my lower back, and it just jammed the socket in my left hip. Uh, I mean, it was extremely painful. So between that time and the draft, I was I was probably looked at primarily from Atlanta, Seattle, um, the Raiders to a certain extent. Uh, and, and if you think back, those two teams, the Raiders and the Seahawks, took quarterbacks in the first round. And they showed a lot of interest. They flew to Hattiesburg on numerous occasions. Um, I went through some extensive tests here in Hattiesburg, MRIs, and, and so on and so forth, and was, was basically failed by those two teams. Now, whether or not they would have drafted me before they would have drafted McGuire or Marinovich, I don't know. But... I remember meeting with Atlanta, uh, Bus, myself. I think there was, uh, I don't know if Jerry was in there, but there were the doctors for, the, for Atlanta. And June Jones may have been in there. Ken Herrock, um, I think it was Taylor Smith was, a, was the owner at the time. And we basically talked about a vascular necrosis. And I didn't know a whole lot about it, but it was funny because Bus, stepson actually had a vascular necrosis and I didn't know that until that meeting. So Bus knew a lot about it and was able to kind of to talk about it in depth, but they were, there was a lot of fear on their part long-term from a long-term investment, much like the Raiders and the Seahawks um, and, and then green Bay, because when I did get to green green Bay, I was failed on my physical um, and I don't know if that was from previous test results or was that from, you know, uh, an updated view from a doctor. I, I really don't know that. But I know that Ron Wolf shot it down and said, hey, I'm going with this guy regardless. Now, now, you know, from my end, I thought I could play. I thought, you know, 
honestly, back then I thought I could play 20 years. Did I think I would? I didn't know. But I thought if you would have asked me, I said, I'll play forever. They can't, you know, I, nothing's going to stop me. And that was kind of my mentality. But but uh, that being said, my hip bothered me. You know, it's funny because some days it would bother me a lot more than others, uh, much like any other nagging injury. But when it did hurt, it was extremely painful. I lost all range of motion in my hip. Uh, I was not a flexible person to begin with, but I, but I just was. I mean, I was extremely tight in my hip, and so when I would ever get it kind of torqued a certain way, um, I would I would pay for it for two or three weeks, and I don't know how that kind of slipped under the radar, but uh, but yeah, that it, it is still a concern of mine today that at some point I will need a hip replacement. So, you know, technology's gotten a lot better. When that day comes, if and when that day comes, I'll, I'll deal with it. And along with the other wear and tear that 20 years has presented. So, but I, but I'm extremely thankful for the time that I had in the league regardless. Hey, Brett, in, in your early days at Green Bay, Mike Holmer ran a staff that included future head coaches, Andy Reid, Steve Mariucci, John Gruden, and Marty Morningway. Which one was the most instrumental in your development as an NFL quarterback? Well, without a doubt, it's Steve Mariucci. Now, that, that being said, all those guys uh, played a part. Um, I, I was extremely blessed to have great coaches. And most importantly, Steve Mariucci, because at that time, he was in my corner. Uh, and he kind of he was the liaison, if you will, between Mike and myself. Now, you, you know, and I know you guys know this. Uh, it's been well documented, but some people may not know. Mike Holmgren took over in Green Bay after coaching Joe Montana and Steve Young. So you can imagine going from those two to me was, oh, you know, like kind of like having a child and then 15 years later having another child and having to relearn all that stuff again. And, and that's what Mike Holmgren went through. So having Steve Mariucci, who was, was young, was energetic, was was not biased to any other players on the team, uh, really was in my corner. He spoke up for me. He was, I mean, he was awesome. He And still to this day, he's like family to me. And, and Steve and I remain very close and talk all the time. Um, and it was, it, it, and to be honest with you, when he left, it was devastating um, to me. And um, fortunately, I got over it. And I, and I do remember when Steve left, Mike called me in the offseason, and he said, look, I just want you to know I'm going to make Andy Reid our quarterback coach. And my, my, honestly, my, my first thought was, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, and, and, I say, and I say that I liked Andy. I really liked Andy a lot, but Andy was a grinder. He wore those tight ends out in meetings. I mean, they just – I mean, he was, he was just – it was like he didn't have any fun. Now – when he took over as my coach, we had a blast. We grinded, but it was it was not what I had envisioned. We had a lot of fun. He was extremely bright. You know, he didn't play quarterback. He played line at, at BYU, but he knew the quarterback position in and out. I was very impressed. And, and again, when he left, it was, it was difficult. Um, but I was around so many good coaches and, and a lot of young ones at that. John Gruden was outstanding. You know, no one knew who he was. He was outstanding. Marty Morningwig, you know, Mike just, I mean, he, he either knew these guys. Of course, Marty, he coached in high school. But Marty was, 
was another one. I mean, I just was so lucky to have these coaches at that time in my career that really fought along the same wavelength that, that I did. Uh, if you could take us back uh, for a minute, Brett, to, to 1994, you were in training camp that year, and there was a young uh, kid in there, quarterback, didn't seem to, according to Ron Wolf, uh, seemed reluctant to even call plays in the huddle. And, of course, you know that uh, that guy turned out to be Kurt Warner. Just wondering what you thought about him at the time, and were you surprised the way his uh, career ultimately ended up after what you had seen when he was first there in Green Bay? Well, Rick, you're absolutely right. He came in. And as you know, covering football for so long, especially quarterbacks, I mean, every position, but the quarterbacks, it's a, it's a training camp carousel. You have guys that come in and they, they, they throw, they're more or less a camp arm. You know, they're there for a week or two, and you just know that they're going, going to be cut. And I don't even know if they're brought in. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of being a GM and, and head coach, but I, I think some of them are brought in just for that reason. But – Kurt didn't. He didn't raise any eyebrows. And in fact, uh, Mooch and I, uh, we've we've joked with Kurt uh, so many times. We called him Pop, Pop Warner. And uh, <laughs> Mooch asked him to go in for a play one day. And Kurt actually says, "No, I'm not going in." He refused to go in. And I, I think of that, and then I think of his career, how how I just. Totally opposite, a 100% turnaround, obviously. He ended up having a tremendous career. Um, did I think that, that he had that potential? No. Is that any disrespect to him? Absolutely not. It was just, how could I How could I know? Because he never took any reps. But I'll say this, in 1994, 1995, I, I didn't know the ins and outs. I mean, I, I hadn't played long enough to... to As I got later on in my career, nothing seemed to surprise me. And as I look back now, I'm not surprised because you never know. And, and the guys that are drafted the first round or have high expectations, and you, you guys, again, know this as well as I do, those are the guys that seem to slip through the cracks more than, than anything. And the guys like Tom Brady and Kurt Warner you know, seem to, you know, to thrive in those situations. That was former quarterback Brett Favre. Up next, Rick Goslin and Dr. Data. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. QL1, does Rocket Mortgage require me to fill out a bunch of paperwork? Negative control. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans is the first on-demand mortgage machine that quickly imports your financial data. You can go through the entire mortgage approval process in minutes. That is fast, like rocket fast. It also works on any internet-ready device, so you can get a Rocket Mortgage at any time or place you choose. Over. Three, two, one. Rocket Mortgage at QuickenLoans.com. Push button. Get mortgage. Rocket. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org. Number 3030. Hi, Tom Bodette. Somewhat in knots over this trendy new hairstyle called a man bun. I mean, what's next? The he hive? Well, Motel 6 recently got a new updo of sorts, too, with renovations nationwide. And even with our fresh modern look, you'll still find rooms at the lowest price of any national chain. So you can save up enough money to get yourself a haircut. Or maybe a hat. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book direct at motel6.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Like you, I'm a big sports enthusiast, and I want my gear to shine like new. That's why it's clean with Simple Green, the concentrated cleaner that's perfect for making your auto, RV, cycling, boating, and other sporting equipment look like new again. Try it today. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. 
There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. As the intro suggested, we often do call people in this segment, but... The only guy we're calling today is our own Ron Borges for his Borges or Bogus segment. Yeah, Ron usually separates fact from fiction here, though. We have plenty of friction this week with Terrell Owens, T.O. in the mix. And don't take it from me. Take it from Mike March, Ronnie. (laughs) Well, you know, I think March has been sort of unfairly criticized for this. He doesn't say Owens doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. He just says, you know, let's form a queue here. Why is he jumping ahead of his guys? And, of course, it was misreported as... March hates D.O., which is not exactly... He may hate D.O., but that's a separate issue. Ronnie, 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 well, we don't hate our next guest. That's the lovable, laughable Ron Borges. He's here fresh <laughs> off his vacation from Hawaii. So as Pete Carroll might put it, he's pumped and he's jacked. And Ron, what do you have for us today? Well, you know, Clark, it's amazing these days what can get you labeled a racist. It seems you don't like endless chest pounding every time a guy makes a play, and that guy happens to be black and you're not, you're a racist. One has to assume if you're black and you feel the same way, you're an Uncle Tom. Bogus. This comes to mind because of the soon-to-be raging non-controversy over how Cam Newton perceives he's perceived. He's entitled to his perceptions, but if the Superman thing is one little sin with some, that doesn't make them a racist. Or Newton right about where he's taken whatever criticism there's been of him. Carolina Panthers' luminescent quarterback has announced uh, criticism of his sometimes overly exuberant celebrations as a result of something more sinister than feeling you don't want to watch the Macy's Day Parade every time a guy makes a first down. Sorry. But he says, I'm an African-American quarterback. That may scare a lot of people because they haven't seen nothing that can compare to me. That's what he told reporters last week. Look, Newton's had a spectacular season. He's rounding into the kind of player the Panthers hoped he'd be when they made him the number one pick uh, five years ago. He threw for 3,837 yards and 35 touchdowns. The team went 15-1. He rushed for 636 yards and 10 more touchdowns, tying for fifth best in the league among running backs. Add to that the fact he's the size of a linebacker with the agility of a cat and the speed of a jaguar, and you most certainly have a quarterback for all seasons. But the idea that no quarterback has ever done anything to compare with a guy who's yet to win a championship is a bit bogus. He's luminescent. <laughs> he is, like myself. Uh, then <laughs> yeah. again. Such overreach seems to be an extension of the dancing, dapping, and self-absorption so popular today. Look, I never liked Aaron Rodgers' stupid championship belt nonsense. I don't like Gronkowski's over-the-top spikes for every touchdown catch. I didn't like Mark Gaston's sack dance. But I'm no stick in the mud. I like the Smurfs. I like White Shoes Johnson's funky chicken. Loved it. Butch Johnson's California Quake. Couldn't get enough of it. But I wouldn't have liked it if they went on like that every time they made a single play. 
Look, big plays earn celebration. Although I always felt the most powerful celebration of all time was John United's handing off to Alan Amici to end the 58 NFL championship game in overtime and turning and walking off the field. He never even looked at Amici. He knew what was going to happen. Game over. See you later, punk. Now there's a celebration with panache. You like that word, panache? Panache. Luminescent. <laughs> exactly. Cam Newton is one of the NFL's most luminescent young stars. <laughs> you he go. went back to college to get his degree because he promised he would. By all accounts, he does much charitable work. As far as I know, off the field, he's been as exemplary as he is on the field. Are there bigots and racists who still hate him? I'm sure there are. But his own coach, Ron Rivera, said last weekend, I quote, I don't think he wants to be known as an African-American quarterback. He wants to be known as a quarterback. He transcends those boundaries. Well, if so, the way to do it is not to cling to your differences. That is bogus. What Newton has done has been widely praised. He's going to be named the league MVP by a landslide, and frankly, mostly from the votes of white uh, sports writers and coaches. He's being richly rewarded and praised to high heaven, as he should be. So uh, a few people don't like him, and he's a victim of racism. Hey, listen, guys, go tell that to guys who really were, like Duke Slater, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Marlon Briscoe, and many other long-forgotten guys who no one even remembers played. Go dap them, Cam, not yourself. They'd appreciate it. Ron, is this a football problem or a societal problem? Well, I think it's both. I think it's both. There's no question about it. I mean, you can't uh, even bring up the, the subject on the, on the one hand, and on the other hand, every time there's any kind of a problem, it's, it's some sort of racial issue. Uh, and look, there's fools out there. Some guys don't like parades. <laughs> That's not a football problem or a societal problem. It's a time problem, Ron. It's called the two-minute warning. It means it's time for the Kansas City Chiefs to finish a drive and us to finish the show. So, Scott, get that clock rolling. Yeah, roll out Peter Pan because this is our two-minute drill. Can two Ryans be better than one in Buffalo? Not unless one of them is named Nolan. Now, only if they had a third Ryan, Matt Ryan, to play quarterback. Josh Norman, Greg Norman, or Norm Peterson? Norman Greenbaum. <laughs> I think I've been there a few times. Josh Norman, <laughs> unlike Greg, he'll win the big one. After reviewing the AFC title game tapes, what did Tom Brady say to Bill Belichick? Uh, Coach, any chance we can draft three tackles? Uh, any chance you might consider helping those two turnstiles playing tackle, or are you trying to get Garoppolo in the game? After reviewing the N NFC title game tapes, what did Bruce Arians say to Carson Palmer? Congratulations. You were just voted Carolina's MVP. <laughs> Carson, why didn't you tell me you were colorblind? The AP is considering restructuring its all-pro team in 2016, possibly eliminating a running back and linebacker and adding another wide receiver and corner. What took the AP so long to figure out the new NFL? Goose, that's what happens when Ted Wells is your consultant. <laughs> that's what happens when you have no competition anymore from UPI. Hooray. What sounds better, Las Vegas Raiders, San Antonio Raiders, or St. Louis Raiders? Oakland Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> The Chargers are returning to San Diego in 2016 for another lame duck season. Good move or bad? Brilliant move. They found leverage where there wasn't any. Great move. They don't have a lame duck at the San Diego Zoo yet. <laughs> Which young quarterback has the best chance for a Cam Newton-type breakthrough season in 2016? Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota, or Jameis Winston? None of the above. God, I got to agree with him. In his second season, Cam Newton was Fig Newton. Lindsey Vaughn, Von Miller, or Roger Miller? 
Vaughn Voyage. If you'd ever seen Lindsey Vaughn goose, you wouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, the NFL moved the extra point kick back by 13 yards. What would the league do this offseason to make the job of kickers more difficult? Blindfold them. They're putting the goalposts on a moving slide so they'll have to kick at a moving target inside 40 yards. What happens first? The Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl or the Washington Redskins change their nickname? Redskins. Cleveland has no chance unless its owner stops picking his front office out of a hat. Neither. What happens first is the sun rises in the west and sets in the east. That's the end of the game. We'd like to thank Brett Favre and Bill Pullen for joining us, Scott Boddicker for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talktofamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes. Otherwise, look for us at this time on this station and on this day next week. We'll look for you then. Hi, you've reached Burger King. To leave a message, press 1. Hey, uh, Burger King, listen, I'm a bit of an idea guy, uh, like croutons, I thought of that. I got a great idea to make your burgers better. Two words, buttery, sauce, because that makes everything taste better. You with me? Sounds good. It's almost as good as the new extra-long buttery cheeseburger from Burger King. Two beef patties topped with veggies and a rich buttery sauce on a toasted bun. Now just two for $5. Or mix and match with the flame-grilled chicken burger. Part of the two for $5 deal. The new extra-long buttery cheeseburger. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Control, do you like mortgages? Negative, over. Do you like rockets? Affirmative, over. Do you like rocket mortgages? I'm listening. Over. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans is the first on-demand mortgage machine that turns the entire mortgage process into a fast, powerful, completely online experience. Copy that, QL1. I'm going to go ahead and push this button in. Three, two, one. Rocket Mortgage at QuickenLoans.com. Push button, get mortgage. Rocket. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 33. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944.